Well, good morning. It, it, it truly is a blessing and an encouragement to be here. It, it really, really is. And uh, I don't speak like a Kiwi. I, I tried. They claim they speak English, but they don't have a clue. They really don't. But it's nice to be among the upright people. <laughs> you know, we've been hanging from our feet for the last, anyhow. Can I share, before I preach, can I share something with you real quickly? It's kind of weird, but, but anyhow, always at the hill. We're staying at the hill last night and tonight. And we always rest well. It's a peaceful place. And last night I slept really, really well. I know you wanted to know that. But I had this dream that was kind of weird and fascinating, and I want to share that with you. I dreamed that to get to heaven, I had to climb a ladder. You know, I had to start here, kind of like Jacob's ladder, I guess, and, and climb up. And when I got to the foot of the ladder, uh, this angel dude meets me there with this big old bucket of chalk. And I know a lot of you younger people don't have a clue what chalk is, but it's what they used to write with at school. And anyhow, this big bucket of chalk, little, little ones, not like sidewalk chalk, little ones. And I said, what's this for? And he said, look, on your way to heaven, as you're climbing, every time you remember a sin, you take a chalk and make a mark, you know, out in the sky. All right. So I start up and I remember a sin, so I make a mark, climb a little further and I remember another one. So I made a little mark and directly I run into Larry. He's coming down. I said, what are you doing, Larry? He said, I ran out of chalk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, All right, now to serious business. (laughs) Uh, Let's let's pray. Father, as as we open your word, Lord, we ask for you to speak to us. Father, we live in difficult days and trying times, and, and Lord, just life in itself can be tough. And so, Father, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, who's present, that you speak into our lives, for your servants need to hear from you today. So speak, Lord, your servants are listening, and may it be all of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you're turning to Ephesians chapter 1, I want to ask you a question. I want you to really, really think about it. You don't have to answer out loud, but how, how are you doing right now? How are you? Well, I want to confess to you, I know preachers are always supposed to be on top of everything, you know, more than conquerors, tally-ho. I'm struggling. God's got us in a trial period right now, and quite frankly, and don't worry, I'm not surprising God, I've already told Him, I don't like it. I just don't like it. In fact, I have never liked God's trials. I've told Him that too. And He doesn't seem to really care what I think. He, He lets this stuff come on, eh? He puts these hardships on us. He lets us struggle. And I'll just, I'll be honest with you, I'm struggling and I don't like it. And I tell God, I don't like it. And God says, and so 
you know, maybe God can't hear me. <laughs> so I tell him again, I don't like this, Lord. And God says, You know, you don't need to, maybe you don't do this. Maybe I'm the only one. God doesn't need our information. He doesn't need our help. In fact, when he does answer, God says, I know I put you there. And it still hasn't helped a lot. But one thing that I need to hear and I need to be reminded of, and I've been reminding myself of this, or at least (laughs) trying to, is to remember Him and His power. Because I don't have what it takes to get through the struggles. I don't have what it takes to get through the trials. I'm a cantankerous, immature Christian. I don't mind admitting that. And God is constantly saying, Ron, I want you to come a little deeper. I want you to come a little further with me. And I say, God, I can't do this. And God says, I know that. (laughs) I never ask you to come up with the source of power and strength and the know-how. I just ask you to trust me. I say, Lord, I trusted you last time, and what did it get me? (laughs) Deeper in a mess. You ever feel that way sometimes? And I have to be reminded of the power that is available to me in the Lord. So as I talk to myself this morning, I, I, I'll just talk out loud and let you listen in, all right? Because I need to be reminded. In fact, I, I, I've, I feel like what I'm experiencing in my own spiritual walk right now is a little bit like this lady that Tony Evans talked about to you. You know who Tony Evans is? It's my favorite preacher. Tony Evans told about this little lady that lived way out in the outback and forever she had no electricity, none. And so one day the, the electric company finally put a line out where she could have source and, and she got electricity. So now for the first time in her life, she's got access to all that electricity enables you to have. So you know in a house, that, that means a lot of things. It means a refrigerator with lots of bluebell. They, they don't have that in New Zealand. In fact, what they call... Well, let's not go there. All that you have available with electricity, the, the refrigerators, the stove, and an, you know, an oven, and all that stuff, and <clears throat> lights, and just on and on you could go. And after a little while, one of the workers at the electric company noted, began to notice that she was using less than a fraction of electricity. And so they thought, well, it's so far out there, maybe the line's broken, maybe something's wrong with the power boxes, maybe, you know. I mean, bottom line, they weren't getting much money. So they sent a serviceman out there to check things out. The supply was great, the source was great, the power boxes were great. So he went in to talk to the little lady and started questioning her about the, about the electricity. And she says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Thank you, thank you. He said, well, how do you use it? She says, oh, every night, you know, about the time it gets too dark to see, I'll flick this little switch right over here and and I light my kerosene lamp. And so here she was living with her kerosene lamp when she had available to her all the benefits of the power of electricity. You know, many of us live that way spiritually. We have Christ. We have all this available to us. And we're running around on kerosene. 
And I kind of think that's where I've been lately is with kerosene lamp. Notice what Paul prays here in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to look at one, just one aspect as we look at the exceeding greatness of the power of Christ. In chapter 1, beginning with verse 15, Paul says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I really want us to focus in, beginning there with verse 19, this, this prayer request from Paul, that we would know what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. This, this power in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. You know, every now and then we need to stop and, and look closely at Scripture, at least I do, and remember the things that I've been given in Christ. <clears throat> right now we're in a trial period, as I said, and, and it's hard, and it's not fun. And sometimes in, in my flesh, <clears throat> you know, I get anxious, and I get to doubting and questioning, and I get frustrated. You ever been frustrated? Who likes being frustrated? Evidently we do, because we always want to run there. And I need to be reminded about the exceeding, limitless power of God and what that means for me even today. There's really, and I know this, and can I just share something with you? You know what can just really goad me? is when my wife reminds me of my preaching. The other day, I was in all of my sanctified flesh, <laughs> grouching up a good one. And I know that surprises you. I know you thought I was perfect. <laughs> and my wife said, you know, you ought to go listen to some of your own preaching. So I went back out and worked some more. <laughs> you know... There's really, really no reason for me to be struggling right now. There's really, really never a reason for a believer to grow anxious. There's really no excuse or justification for us to doubt and walk in weakness. 
We should never, as believers, ever be defeated by any sin. We never should be. And, and when we're doubting, when we're struggling, when we're walking in anxiety and everything else, when we're falling under temptation and, and sinning, it's because we're not remembering the exceeding greatness of the power of God. That's what we find here in Ephesians. Paul, he stated all this stuff so far in the first 14 verses about these wonderful spiritual blessings. In verse 3, he says, We've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And he names some of them. And throughout Ephesians, he, he unfolds this remarkable, remarkable gift we have in Christ Jesus. And in these verses, he's praying very specifically that God Himself would keep us remembering and keep us growing in the knowledge of what we have in Christ. And one of those is this power to live. This power to keep on keeping on. I mean, just to be honest with you, Jeff, when you started in Sunday school this morning, I thought, thanks God. Here we go again, talking about trials and be happy in trials. I don't want to be happy in trials. I just flat don't want to have any. You know what I've even told God? I've told God, I'm serious now. I told I said, God, if you'd have made me perfect, the moment you saved me, it'd have saved you a boatload of time. <laughs> you know, God could do more in your life if he wasn't so busy with Ron Lowry. And that's the truth. <laughs> And we need, there's no excuse for us to be struggling, but we do, don't we? So often we'll turn back to our own thoughts, our own wisdom, our own strength, our flesh. And then we wrestle. We wrestle with anxiety. We wrestle with fears. We wrestle with doubts. We have these hardships that we don't think we'll ever get through. But Paul's praying for this. To the Ephesian, for the Ephesians and even for you and me today. And, and we need to pray this for one another. That we'll come to a deeper understanding that God will give us this spirit of wisdom and the knowledge of Him that will never ever end and continue growing in that understanding and that knowledge and experiencing the reality of these things and the power of God to get us through. The power of Christ. Paul is praying for you and for me that God would give us a supernatural insight into His supernatural wealth that He's given us in Christ Jesus. He's praying that we'll have a supernatural insight into our supernatural wealth in Christ Jesus. In these verses, he uses four different words to describe this power. The first one is the word dunamis, or where we even get our English word dynamite. And it describes the, the potential or the capability of this power. I mean, you know the capability of dynamite, don't you? I mean, how many of you, how many of you, we're going to find out how many rednecks are in here. How many of you watch Duck Dynasty? Now, in New Zealand, it's Duck Dynasty. I've never seen a duck in a dentist office, but anyhow, one of the things I let you know how they blow stuff up with dynamite? Yeah, we've got a lot of rednecks in here. It's good. You know the power, that, that potential, that capability. You, you know what dynamite can do? It's got the potential to just take this, even this building, and reduce it to less than rubble. It's what it's talking about. It's this, this power, this potential, this, this capability. It's even. 
like he mentions it later in chapter 3, verse um, 20, when he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to this power that works within us, his capability. Then he uses also here in our passage the word energia, which we get our English word energy. It describes the effective or operational power, the power that drives it. And it's always used of a, for the lack of a better word, it's always used of a superhuman power at work. It's that power that's not mine, that I cannot source out of myself, no matter how driven I am, no matter how intelligent I am. It's a source of this this. This power that derives not from me, but from another source. He mentions that also in chapter 3, verse 7. He says, Of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me according to the working of His power. It's an energy that works itself out. It's like electricity. I'm just the conduit. It flows through. A third word that he uses here in our passage is the word kiritos or strength. It's power exercised in resistance and control. He use that later in chapter 6, verse 10, as he speaks about us in the spiritual battle. It's a power in action. It's always it's in action. It's the moving force. And then he uses a, another word that's not used often. It's the word ixis or the word might. Might. It's used of a strength that is an, that's an inherent vitality, a possessed power. <laughs> it's that natural essence of God, but not of me. It, it's used where there's a great stress on the power implied the very essence or the very nature or the very character of God. So here's my definition of power. As Paul's interceding for the believers there in Ephesus and he's interceding for you and me today, Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us the capable power of God in action, functioning according to the superhuman energy of the forceful strength of God's inherent might. Let me say that again. Because I'm trying to comprehend it. It's the capable power of God in action. Functioning according to the superhuman or the supernatural or the, the sovereign energy of the forceful strength of God's inherent might. <clears throat> D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in commenting on this verse, says that Paul first speaks of an energy, a power in action... Then he says that it comes from a force which is irresistible, which in turn comes from the ocean of God's might, the eternity of God's illimitable power. We use words that we even find in Scripture and other omnipotent. The ability to have all power and to do all things. The Bible mostly uses the word almighty, which means having an infinite and absolute plentitude of power. That's used about 56 times in Scripture, the word Almighty. 
And it's never used of anyone or anything but God Himself. It's that perfect plenitude and abundance of power. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 62, 11, power belongs to God. Remember when Gabriel in Luke chapter 1 was there with the Virgin Mary and he was trying to explain to her about she was about to conceive even though she was not going to have sexual relations with her husband, Joseph, and she was going to have the Messiah. And remember Gabriel says to her, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Do you know what nothing is? It's no thing. (laughs) Nothing will be impossible with God. Now, if that was true for the Virgin Mary, that's true for Ron Lowry. But I need to remember that. I need to focus on God and not me and not the test, but God. For, For with God, no thing will be impossible. Remember when Jesus was talking with that rich young man and the rich young man says, oh, I've kept all the laws, I've done everything. You know, what I need to, what else I need to do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, go get rid of, sell everything you got, give it all away and come follow me. And, and it says there that, that the rich man, you know, the rich young man, he went away sorrowful because he was exceedingly wealthy. And then the disciples looked over at Jesus and said, hey, dude, who can be saved? I mean, if it's that hard, if, if it's this difficult, if it costs something... And remember Jesus' words? He didn't say, well, suck it up, princess, and get with it, did He? He didn't even, he didn't even respond to man's side of the equation, did He? Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. That means, Ron, with God, your situation... With God, your circumstances are possible. With God, your trials are possible. With God, your hardships are possible. With God, the persecution can be endured. But it's on God's side of the equation, not mine. My problem is here lately is I've been looking at the test. Oh, by the way, did I tell you I don't like it? I don't like it at all. And I've been looking at the test, and I've been looking at Ron. And even with plastic surgery, he's still handsome. You understand? What are you laughing at, sweetheart? Just ask me. I'll tell you I'm good looking. I can't look at me. Because I don't have what it takes. Do you? Do you really have what it takes for the problems you're facing today? Do you really have what it takes to get through the muck of life? Do you? Do you really have what it takes to figure out what's next? I mean, there's trials all around us. There are our own personal trials that we're going through and that God's taking us through at the moment. And my dad's life's falling all apart physically. He just turned 89. And this year he's had a triple bypass, a pacemaker, pneumonia three times, and he just had hip surgery because he fell and broke his hip. While my mom was in the hospital room, she fell and tried to take out a wall. Life stinks sometimes. Life's a mess sometimes. And if you think it's bad now, baby, just wait. It's getting worse. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? I mean, it's just everywhere. Do you have what it takes to get through? No. But somehow we get this idea that we do. 
And I'll admit what my wife would be nice and not tell you publicly, I'm hard-headed. And I get this idea that I can make it work, that I can get myself, that I can push this. I'm smart, I'm skilled, I know how, I'm tough, I can fail again. And I get frustrated. And right now I'm pretty frustrated. And the problem's not God, and the problem's not the trials or the circumstances, the problem's because I forget to remember His presence and His strength and His power and who He is. Because with God, all things are possible. I can't, but He can. And this is what Paul is praying for us. I mean, just, just think for a moment about, about how the Bible describes the power of God. In Genesis 1 and 2 and John chapter 1, We're told that Christ Himself is the Logos, or the Word that spoke everything into creation. Think about that for a moment. Within the very Word, God is so powerful that within the very Word are all the intricacies, all the necessities, all the properties for whatever He created to be created and to be in existence and to function as He wants it. Too. All that is wrapped up in the power of His Word. When He said, let there be, when He said, let there be light, all the properties necessary, all the energy necessary, everything that it takes for a star to be a star, or a moon to be the moon, or a sun to be a sun, all of that was wrapped up in the power of let there be. That's all He did, right? Was speak. Oh, by the way, I saw a t-shirt one time that says, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. And I thought, well, that shows how dumb you are. The guy walked by and on the back of his shirt, it said, God said it and bang, there it was. I thought, I want that shirt. <laughs> but you think about that. He just said it and bang, there it was. Because all that was necessary, all the power of it was wrapped up in His Word. Let there be. That's amazing. <laughs> If you ever, if you ever really backed off and looked just just recently, I was reading in Exodus there about the ten plagues. You remember the ten plagues that God sent? I mean, that's pretty some pretty tough stuff, eh? But if you ever if you ever stopped to think about this, He poured out those ten plagues that's described very specifically there in Exodus. He poured them out all over the Egyptians, right? And living right smack dab in the middle of it were the Hebrews, and they didn't have any of that. They didn't have any... His power of reigning judgment on one... Joshua. When you read through Joshua, and you see some pretty amazing things of... Of God, I mean, we always go to the walls falling down there at Jericho, right? That's pretty cool, I admit that. But a little later on in Joshua chapter 10, you know, when, when Joshua and the Israelites, they have the entire southern coalition on the run, running from them. And it says, God's raining down hailstones, and these hailstones killed all the enemy. But not one single hailstone hit an Israelite. And they're on the same cotton-picking battlefield. You know, the hailstone says, Israelite, boom. <laughs> That's sanctified imagination. <laughs> I mean, do you see this power of God? He's in control of these things. 
In fact, just as a side note, you get to Revelation and it talks about the size of some of the hailstones. Those things can be like 100 pounds, according to Revelation. And we see pretty big ones here in Texas every now and then, but we had not seen one like that. But God's power is he can do these things and it happens where he wants it and right beside him is a person that he doesn't want it to happen to and they will get it. That's, that's power. Wouldn't you say that's, that's power? <clears throat> One of my favorites, I love nature stories and the Gospels are full of nature stories. And remember there in Mark chapter 4 where the boy Jesus and the hoods are in the boat and they're sailing out across the Sea of Galilee and bang, this storm comes up, right? Now these are fishermen, right? They're raised on the Sea of Galilee. They're accustomed to some of these storms, but it says this storm is more sinister than they've ever faced. You know, they, they've learned a lot. They're experienced on the Sea of Galilee, but this storm is too much for them. And they can't get out of it. I remember they wake Jesus up and say, you know, don't you care we're dying? I got to thinking about that one day, and I thought, man, I wonder how powerful these storms are. So we happened to have an Air Force meteorologist in the church I was pastoring once. And, you know... You know, a television meteorologist never gets it right, and they always get paid and never get fired. I don't ever get that. But for the military, these old Air Force boys, they, they need the meteorologist to be correct, locally correct. So I figured this guy must know his stuff. So I'll go ask him some questions, and he put me onto some sources, and I won't go through the whole thing. But I want to know how much power is there in a thunderstorm? Because I like thunderstorms. I love all that lightning. And you don't get the, never got that in New Zealand. Several sources say that in a, a good thunderstorm where there's a lot of lightning, that uh, one thunderstorm, the, the, the lightning, some, some say is the equivalent to X number of atomic bombs. And one of them talked about the equivalency of so many million kilowatts of power. Now, that's something you can kind of work with because the average three-bedroom house in the, in the U.S. uses so many million kilowatts of energy a year. And according to this guy's calculations, based on that average assumption, one average thunderstorm could provide enough electricity to run anywhere between 40 and 70 or so thousand homes for one year. That's just one average thunderstorm. And every now and then we have some doozies, don't we? I mean, it would probably source electricity for over 100,000 homes for a year. You kind of understand a bit about the energy, the power that, that's in one average thunderstorm. And the boys woke Jesus up and says, Hey, dude, don't you care? We're going to die out here. I mean, the boat's breaking up. The waves are kicking up. And what does it say there in Mark 4? Jesus just stood up and said, Shh. And what happened? Instantly. Not it slowly wore itself down and blew itself out. Instantly, it was over. Instantly, no more storm. Instantly, the sea is just as flat as the top of this pulpit. 
power of his word. Shh. He didn't say anything, but shh. <laughs> I mean, there's more power in Jesus shh, than there is in the whole world forever. That's his power. That's his strength. That's who he is. And in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus says, All power has been granted to me, both in heaven and in earth, which means in Ron Lowry's situation also. Because I'm still on the planet, contrary to what some think. All power has been granted unto me, both in heaven and on earth, which includes your situation. Your financial situation, your physical situation, your your emotional situation, your spiritual situation, whatever it is, all power has been granted to Him in that. Amen? Absolute, unrestricted freedom in action. So Paul's praying that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us, to me, the capable power of God in action functioning according to the superhuman energy of the forceful strength of God's inherent might. And that's all good, amen? Hello? It's all good, eh? I mean, if I don't excite you, you know, if I won't light your fire, your wood's wet. That's all great. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Too much TV, eh? Notice what he says in verse 19. Not that we will just understand that God's powerful. Because everybody in this room, I'm sure, will agree that God is powerful, He's awesome, and all the things we've said so far about about the plentitude of His power. But what does he say? Let me read from the Amplified Bible. Verse 19. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength. I need to come to understand not just His power in the magnitude and the inexhaustible source of His power. I need to know that. But more than that, I need to know that all of that inexhaustible power is resident within me in the person of Christ Jesus. I don't have to go try to find it. I don't have to try to source it out of the Lord somehow. It rests in me in the person of Christ. So wherever I am and whatever situation I find myself and in the middle of the test, have I told you yet? I don't like this trial he's got me in. Because I keep looking at the size of the trial and I keep looking at Ron and I realize Ron doesn't have what it takes to get through the trial. And I don't like it. But what Paul is praying for me and what he's praying for you is that I'll come to understand that all of that majestic, illimitable, inexhaustible, incomprehensible power of God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the heavenlies and placed Him in charge over all the principalities and powers both in heaven and on earth is in me, in Christ, available for my situation right now. And all I need to do is not wake up Jesus, but I need to wake up Ron and say, Ron, look at Jesus. And Jesus says, shh, I got this. 
this, Ron. <clears throat> Jesus looks at me and he says, Ron, you see any sweat on my brow? Do you, do you see any anxiety in my eyes? Do you see any hopelessness in my words? Do you see any frustration in my activity? And I say, no, Lord. He says, that's right, I got this. <laughs> I put you here, and I'm the only one that can take you through it. And then as I, as I step back, and as I remember, I'm never, to, I'm never too focused on the storm. And He's never asked me to, to depend upon my wisdom and my abilities but to always rest in Him. Because He's got it. Do you know before He ever created me, He knew He was going to stick me in this mess? Yeah. <laughs> and that's not real encouraging. But He knew that He had a purpose for putting me in this mess. And he knew that he's the one that's got the power to take me through this mess. And the same's true with you, brother, whatever you're facing right now. He said, it's too hard. Not for Jesus, it's not. It's too difficult. Not for Jesus, it isn't. I can't do it. And Jesus says, you sure can. But I can. You know what I'm telling you is true. You know better than I do. You've heard better teaching than I'll ever give you about Christ in you, the hope of glory. But how often do we look at our trials and do we look at our circumstances and do we look at the difficulties and we let them overwhelm us? And how often do we forget that we have available to us the, the limitless capabilities of all that electricity has and we're running around with a kerosene lamp. I don't want to run around with a kerosene lamp anymore. I want to stand in His power. And I need to be reminded that I have access to Him and His power now. That capable power of God in action functioning according to the superhuman energy of the forceful strength of God's inherent might encapsulates the entirety of the Christian life. My situation. In your situation. Your struggle may not be exactly the same as mine, but it's just as hard. It's just as difficult. It has just as much potential to bring you down and to have you walk in doubt and anxiety and weakness as mine. And it will, just like mine, unless you and I turn to His power and realize that that power that raised Him from the dead, that, that power, can I just share one more with you that boggles my mind? I talked about Gabriel talking to the Virgin Mary, right? I mean, you think about the power of a God who can take Himself and turn Himself into an embryo and put Himself into a virgin's womb and have Himself grow physically like a normal human being would grow and be birthed like a normal infant would be birthed and at the same time still be the sovereign almighty God sitting on the throne. And you think, your problem's too big? My God can handle 
my God can handle this trial and this test and He will take me through because of His power, because of His presence. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to doubt. I just need to remember who's inside. Just as Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Paul discovered and discerned in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because of His power. Because of who He is. <clears throat> so because of Christ, I do have available to me the power to endure. I have available to me the power to keep on keeping on. I have the power to even grow deeper in my intimacy with Him in the middle of conflict and struggle and trial because of His power. I have available to me the power to be. All that He intends me to be. Are you struggling? Do you look at some of the issues that are going on in your life right now and think, oh, I'll never make it. I can't handle this. This is too big. You know, all the things we go through. And the depression and the anxiety and the frustration. And, and we know when that's there because that comes out <laughs> on others, doesn't it? But what I'm learning again, and what I'm learning more deeply, is that when I trust in Him, and in His presence, and in His power, all my fears vanish. All my struggles cease. All my doubts fade away. Joy rises up. Self-effort disappears. And Christ shines as conquering King. Because of His power. So I ask you this morning as we pray, do you really believe, do, do I really believe that all of God's power is for me? Do I really believe His power is sufficient for my circumstances and my needs? Am I living in the full reality of Christ's inexhaustible power? Father,